Amen, amen. So it's a Pentecost Sunday, and, and it's a Sunday uh, that you might say was the birthday of the church. That's today, the turning point of the church. And so we're taking a turn this, uh, this day in our Supernatural series, and, and we're beginning to look at the book of Acts. And we're going to touch briefly on Pentecost today, but I want to set up the scene a bit and then next week dive into that some more. And we're going to tackle a little bit more this challenge that we face of, of seeing each other through the eyes of heaven. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today, but next week we're going to talk particularly about how that relates to other people. How can we see other people? Because on Pentecost, we see this miracle happen where, where, where there's these tongues that are being spoken, and, and all of these languages, right, our people are understanding in each their own language. And language is a very powerful reality that is very much a part of our identity. And it was a beautiful moment of all sorts of different people with different languages coming together as one. And we need to hear that message, don't we? That's next week. But today, we're gonna look at Acts 1. And, and see, book, the book of Acts is, is really an account of how real people lived out the Jesus life. How real people stepped into the story of redemption, even in the midst of trouble with help from the Holy Spirit. See how ordinary, flawed people, not superheroes, how ordinary, flawed people entered the extraordinary work of God. So that's what the book of Acts is. It's an invitation to find ourselves in the story, not to look at the story and, and say, oh, this is some fairy tale or folklore. I can't find myself in that. It's not accessible today. No, 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 I want you to see that as we go through this, that this is our story, and it's your story too. So I'm calling the sermon today Into the Unknown. Into the Unknown. And if you've seen Frozen 2, and I'm gonna be honest, I haven't seen the whole thing. I've, my kids have probably seen it 100 times. So I've just, yeah. But anyway, you know where I'm talking about. And, and you, you understand the struggle with this, right, y'all? I mean, this song from this Frozen 2 has kind of become like the unofficial anthem in our house during quarantine. And it's not because I chose that. <laughs> uh, probably because uh, we've let our kids watch this movie way more than we should have. But hey, don't judge, right? We're, this is a challenging time we're in. But you know what I love about Disney? Um, Disney does a good job, for the most part, of giving their heroes, right, a human side. A shadow side, if you will. And, and, and you see them wrestling with the, the truth that, that we could do some pretty amazing things, but we are also incredibly flawed. Listen to some of the lyrics of the song. You're not a voice. You're just a ringing in my ear. I wish you would go away. I'm sorry, secret siren, but I'm blocking out your cause. I've had my adventure. I don't need something new. I'm afraid of what I'm risking if I follow you into the unknown. What do you want? You've been keeping me awake. Are you here to distract me so I make a big mistake? Or are you someone out there who's a bit like me, who knows deep down I'm not where I'm meant to be? Every day is a little harder as I feel my power grow. Don't you know there's a part of me that longs to go into the unknown? 
Where are you going? Don't leave me alone. How do I follow you into the unknown? Now, we aren't following some obscure inner voice like Elsa, but we do struggle with the unknown. And so as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to look each week at a trouble and how the Spirit helped them overcome that trouble. So every week a trouble, and then help that came from heaven for that trouble. And so this week, the trouble that we are looking at is the fear of the unknown, the fear of the uncertainty. And and if that's the trouble, the, the gift the Spirit gave the church was eyes to see, vision to see that the Lord was at work. So the trouble, fear of the unknown, the help from heaven, eyes to see, vision to see beyond the trouble, and that the Lord was at work. We like to have things figured out. If you're like me, you like to have things figured out. You like to know what's going to happen. You like to see far into the future. And we wrestle with the unknown. And right now, we're all wrestling with some of that, aren't we? We're weighing risks. Should I return to this? Should we go back to school? Should we do this? Should I go to the grocery store? Uh, Should I go on a walk here? It seems like there's no consensus, right? There's a lot of unknowns right now. And if you consume a lot of news... So many opinions, you end up just grasping for something. You want something that would help you understand. I, personally, I did that a lot, especially at the beginning of this whole thing. Trying to understand, reading hundreds of articles on COVID-19 and this and that. And, and it's as if we, we think if we could find the knowledge, that we could feel better about the future, right? And on that day of Pentecost, but you know, on that first day of Pentecost, these followers of Jesus find themselves in a similar place. There's an uncertainty, there's an awkwardness, there's a helplessness leading up to Pentecost. We can't jump to Acts 2 unless we first see the context in Acts 1. And we, we read some of that here. Talks about how Jesus After he has suffered, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And and verse 4, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? You see that question The question, are you restoring the the kingdom to Israel at this time? It exposes how much they didn't know. They misunderstood Jesus' teaching. These These are people that have walked with Jesus for several years now, and they missed his teaching about the future. They didn't understand. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he was taken up, and then we read, uh, we'll come back to verse 12 in a moment, but we, we read in verse 15, Peter, um, Peter stands up and Said in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were together was about 120, and said, "Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the Scripture be fulfilled, and that the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. 
for he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Judas. Peter mentions Judas. And so we've seen already that they misunderstood Jesus. They didn't understand his teachings. And they were wrestling with the suicide of their friend. One of their own, they says. He was one of our number. Had committed suicide. Friends, we need more sermons on suicide, and we'll talk more in the future about mental health. It's a part of wholeness, one of our values. But I want you to see this is in the Bible. And I want you to see the trouble that they faced. The unknown. What's the future look like, Jesus? That's what they're asking. And how, what do we do with our friend who committed suicide as a, as a result of all this pressure? And, and we can't ignore this reality of suicide and mental health right now. Nearly half of Americans reported the coronavirus crisis is harming their mental health. Uh, a federal emergency hotline uh, registered more than a 1,000% increase in April compared with the same time last year. It's an issue, friends. It's an issue. As the unemployment rate rises, it's, it's proven that so does, the increase, so does the suicide rate and depression and anxiety. So let me ask you, how are you doing today? Don't isolate yourself, friends. Don't be alone. There is hope. Reach out. It's okay. Listen, there is no shame. There is no stigma. The truth is, Listen, friends, deep faith in God, deep faith in God and deep struggles, even struggles to live, go hand in hand. Deep faith in God and deep struggles, even struggles to live, go hand in hand. It's not something to be ashamed of. Your struggle does not mean you are not following God. You're not a lesser person, so reach out. There's no shame. There's a Suicide prevention hotline information right on the screen or in the chat. Um, there's a form on our website, a COVID care form. And if you're struggling, just let us know. We'd be glad to help. Or even right now, if you want to take a moment and just drop in the chat, if you're willing, if you're bold to say, yeah, I'm struggling right now. Doesn't even, you don't have to be struggling with suicide to say, yeah, this, this is mentally wearing on me right now. I'm, I'm anxious. The, the heat has been turned up recently, and I'm feeling it. Go ahead. I, I think it's going it's to help because we want to see that you're not alone, friends. We want you to see that we're in this together. We're all right there with you. I've been there in this season. We've seen counselors more frequently in the last two and three months than I have before because the heat has turned up, and I realize I need to take care of myself. We need to work through the struggle. It's okay. All right. So they're wrestling with Judas. But not just Judas who betrayed Jesus. All of them in some sense had missed it, right? Instead of images of bravery and boldness, we, we often paint these saints with, we, we actually see here there's much fear and cowardice. So there's both. Right at Pentecost, we just read, there's this hope of Jesus that he's going to fill us with the Spirit, he's going to be with us, 
But at the same time, there's trouble. We don't understand what Jesus is at work doing. We, we're wrestling with the, the, the losses of life. Deep, dark undertones and hopeful expectations surrounding Pentecost. I don't know about you, but you remember when you were a kid and you first realized that adults disappoint you? You know, it's like the first time you heard somebody that you respect curse. And you're like, <gasps> or, or, or the first time somebody that, that, you know, that you thought you could trust hurt you. Or maybe you thought that when you get older, you'd be less afraid of bugs and the boogeyman, but you find yourself at 34 and you still don't like bugs and you check the door locks you know, three or four times before you go to bed, right? We have this sense that as we get older, or we look into the future, that when we, you know, our life is gonna be marked by confidence and strength and empowerment, only to realize that life isn't what we've romanticized it to be, right? Anne Lamott wrote this, listen, it's funny, she says, I always imagined when I was a kid that adults had some kind of inner toolbox full of shiny tools, the saw of discernment, the hammer of wisdom, the sandpaper of patience. But when I grew up, I found that life handed you these rusty, bent old tools, friendship, prayer, conscious, honesty, and said, do the best you can with these. They'll have to do. And mostly against all odds, they are enough. I got to think that's a little bit like what these early Jesus followers were experiencing. And what do we see them doing? They're leaning on the old tools of community, scripture, and prayer. Community, scripture, and prayer. They could have despaired. Jesus was gone. Life was uncertain. It was unknown. But they pressed into each other. They didn't isolate. They rested on the scriptures, and they prayed. And we see them working. They didn't give up. They're not just trying to survive. Maybe you, like me, have fallen into that trap a little. I just gotta survive right now. No, gotta, gotta keep at it. Can't give up. Now we shift. It looks different, but we can't give up. And the Spirit met them there. They didn't give up. They kept working. But at the same time, they were relaxed enough to pray. Mark Batterson puts it this way. Work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. Keep working, but pray like you actually need help from heaven. That's the point. We, we realize that our work is not enough. And that's what those early followers did. It's interesting to me. Let me read you this part here. They, they realize they have to um, replace Judas. So Peter does some work here in, in verses 16, 17, 18, talking about how uh, he's trying to make sense of Judas's death. And then it says, Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed to Joseph called Bersabbas, who was also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed, you, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. 
It's interesting. They cast lots. It's kind of like this ancient decision-making process. It's essentially like flipping a coin. They're trying to decide who to bring into the leadership core. They do some work, and then they come up with two options, and essentially then they flip a coin. To me, that, that's, that seems strange at first. It's, it seems very relaxed. But this isn't just some nonchalant way of doing things. Actually, casting lots or flipping a coin, it, it, was, it wasn't just leaving it up to chance. Uh, Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every, it's very, it's every decision is from the Lord. It's every decision is from the Lord. See, they would have known this scripture and, and they would have seen this process as a, as a, as a, as a means of trusting into the, in the providence of God. The word providence, it's a bit old-fashioned, but most simply it means God provides. In other words, God is involved in our lives. He cares about the daily events of our lives, even the small things, even like who's going to be in, on this leadership team. Proverbs 16, we also read, commit your, your activities to the Lord and your plans will be established. And in verse 9 of chapter 16, it says, A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. See, these followers of Jesus would have been holding these verses in tension. On one hand, our plans are our plans. Our choices belong to us, and we bear the consequences of them. Yet on the other hand, God establishes what happens. He's involved. He sees and he acts in accordance with his redemptive plan for creation. See, this is a tension because... Attention, it, it appears as if there's these two opposing viewpoints that are both held together at the same time. It's easier to pick one side or the other. It's always like that. And we're not saying that God causes all things to happen and we are just mere pawns in his will. And at the same time, God has not just abandoned us entirely to our own free choice and sits back at a distance, uninvolved. See, his attention can't go to one side or the other. See, if we say everything is determined by God, then we remove our responsibility of our choices and actions. And if we say everything is determined by us, well, we have to reckon with the fact that, well, we're flawed. I mean, we don't have to look that far to see that. We can't do it on our own. We, what we think is best often isn't what be- is what's best. And if we really got what we wanted, it would probably damage us and hurt us and destroy us. See, God sees what's best for our soul. He's on a redemptive mission. And so sometimes it appears as if darkness is winning and we don't really understand the plan, but God is still at work. This is the tension that we hold together. And see, Pentecost inaugurates this mission. A revolution has begun and the Spirit invites us to join his story in spite of our flaws and our doubts and our fears. To hold this tension, to remember that God is at work, to trust his providence, to, to, to lax a little bit, to pray, to pray like we really need help from heaven, to work, not giving up, pressing into others. See what it says there? They returned to Jerusalem, they went into the, up to the room upstairs, they were all continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Friends, continually united in prayer. Work hard. Pray like we need help from heaven and press into others. 
even in the midst of our fears and doubts. And to pray like we have a God who sees us, a God who hears us, and a God who's moved at the sound of our voice. A God who is involved in our lives. He has not just left it up to us. My daughter, Anna, likes to do this little thing, and she goes, I've got my eyes on you, Daddy. I've got my eyes on you. And, and um, it's, it's kind of like a, hey, don't do anything stupid. I'm watching you. You know, like the, the, the Roz in Monsters, Inc., if you know that movie. I've got my eyes on you, you know. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give you counsel. Friends, the Lord's eye is upon you, not to rebuke you, not to smite you, not to tell you what you're doing wrong, but to give you counsel. To give you eyes to see eyes to see from heaven. So, so friends, as we close, I don't know what kind of trouble you are facing today. I can kind of assume some of the overarching troubles, but I don't know how it's affecting you. And so when you look into the future, it might just be dark right now, like driving in the fog. You kind of know there's a road there, but you can't see that far in front of you. And you're driving into the unknown. Those early followers of Jesus, they didn't know Acts 2 was about to happen. They didn't know Pentecost was going. I mean, they knew what Jesus said, but we see that they didn't fully understand. But they had enough of an idea to pray. To pray for help from heaven. And help from heaven did come eyes from heaven. Pentecost is just the beginning. The whole book chronicles the help that they received and we'll continue next week. So will you join? Are you in? Come with us. Don't despair. Don't give up. God is at work. There's a, there's a song I want to close with. So stay with us. Afterwards, we're coming in live to pray and to close with communion. But the song, it's called Dove's Eyes. One person wrote this, having dove's eyes indicates that we are becoming increasingly aware of the Lord's person and presence and that we possess a spiritual awareness that will lift us above the hold of the earthly, more aware of his desire and purpose. Having dove's eyes will enable us to be easily led by him, for they are close enough to see which way his eyes are looking. May this song be a prayer that we might peer into the unknown with eyes of heaven, with dove's eyes.